The Minutemen are headed to Boulder, and to break down the UMass football team, we're catching up with Daniel Malone of MassLive.com. Daniel, it's been almost a year since we last heard from you out uh, here in Boulder. How are you, and uh, are you going to be making the trek out to Colorado this weekend? Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on. And I'm definitely going to be out there this weekend. Uh, it's my first trip to Colorado. It's kind of a bucket list thing for me. I've been I've been looking forward to this for a couple of years now. Uh, everyone uh, I've spoken with who's been out there tells me how beautiful and awesome it is, and uh, I, I've really been looking forward to this all summer long. Yeah, there should be some great weather in Boulder here this uh, weekend for you. Colorado head coach Mike McIntyre thinks the Buffs are at a disadvantage because of, of the fact they played last week while the Minutemen didn't. So obviously UMass has tape on them, but there's the other side of it. You know, the Buffs did get those uh, first game jitters out of the way. Do we call it a wash here, or do you think McIntyre has a legit concern? Well, you know, I think Mark Whipple would probably call it a wash because we asked him that same thing, and uh, he doesn't bring up the fact that the, the whole tape issue, he brings up the fact that Colorado's had a chance to see their guys, you know, go through a, a real game situation against Hawaii. Um, I, I don't I don't think Mark Whipple especially liked having this opening bye week. Um, I know all the players were kind of getting antsy. They had to sit around and twiddle their thumbs while the rest of the country, you know, got to work. Um, it's It's been a long summer for them, and I, I think they're going to be a little more amped than usual just because of that, that, that week off. Uh, but I know they definitely would have liked or would have preferred to have been out there themselves last week to kind of get those jitters out, like you said. Blake Fronapple returns at quarterback for the uh, Minutemen. Uh, he earns first-team All-Mac honors last season. He played relatively well against the Buffs in New England last September, threw for uh, 267 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. What do you expect to see out of Fronapple in his first game as a senior? Yeah, that, that Colorado game last year was kind of his coming-out party. A week earlier, uh, he, had, he had a real clunker against Boston College. He was like 9 of 22 or something like that, and people are questioning, like, well, well, who is this guy that we just got from Marshall? Then all of a sudden, you know, basically from that Colorado game on, uh, with the exception of a, of a Penn State kind of outlier, um, you know, he's the best quarterback in the MAC. He was the top five in the nation in passing yards until he broke his leg uh, late in the season, and he's kind of threatening all these UMass passing records uh, despite, you know, having only just arrived at the team last year. Um, and I would say expectations are – about as high for him as they've been for anyone in recent UMass history. Uh, you know, and, and the team's not shying away from that either. We've talked to Coach Mark Whipple about it a lot. Uh, he's, he's even gone so far as to say that, that Blake Fronapple is the best player he's ever coached at UMass. And he's coached a lot of good players who have gone on to, you know, do some, some, some pretty nice things in the NFL and have some, some good college careers. Um, he, he said, you know, he's playing kind of at a different level. Everyone talks about how the kind of the, the way the game has slowed down for him a little bit. He's, he's a very cerebral guy. He's a smart guy. Um, he he, he kind of is uh, an extension of, of the Mark Whipple kind of coaching persona on the field. And the fact that he's kind of been in this pro-style offense, which, you know, is, is a pretty advanced complex offense compared to a lot of what we see in the MAC, with just kind of these, these spread uh, spread schemes. Um, you know, he, he's kind of – he's he's – I don't want to say – that he's like, you know, light years beyond what a, a lot of, you know, a lot of teams UMass is going to see this year. Um, but he's, he's one of those guys that you look at and you go, yeah, he just gets it. He, he knows, he, he has that, that, that feel about him as a quarterback. I don't know if that's going to translate to the NFL. I don't, I don't know if his arm strength is going to get him there, but he's the kind of guy that if you, if you sat him down and just talked football with him, you'd walk away being like, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. 
His top target last year, Tajay Sharp, a six foot four, two hundred pounder, returns at receiver for the Minutemen. Just looking at this UMass offense overall, outside of Fronapple, what do you expect to be kind of the strengths and weaknesses of that unit? Yeah, Tajay Sharp is uh, he's he's the main man there. He's another guy who's going to stamp his name all over the UMass record book. He was on pace to set the program record for single season receptions in yardage last year before Fronapple got hurt. And I think before midway through this year, he should be their all-time leading receiver uh, for yards and, and catches, passing guys like Victor Cruz. So um, so he, that's definitely a guy that we've seen him kind of grow. He was kind of thrown into the, the fire as a freshman in 2012 without much help at quarterback. And now that he actually has someone, you know, really capable throwing the ball, he just, he just sprouted last year. Um, and I think the fact that people didn't get to see him with front apple those last couple games, as everyone kind of anxious to see if they can kind of pick up that chemistry right away, you know, right from the get-go this year. Um, and without Gene Tiffern, who I know uh, Colorado fans will remember from that game last year, the tight end yeah. kind of just came out of nowhere. He was made eligible just a couple a couple hours before the game. It felt like uh, without him around, he he he's trying to you know trying to latch on with the NFL team. Tajay really becomes the focal point of this offense. Um, in, in terms of maybe an area where they struggle, the running game still. You know, for years with this team, seemingly has not been what they wanted to. Uh, they've they averaged you know barely two yards per carry through like the first month and a half last year, uh, and they still don't really have a true lead back. Uh, they they've got a kind of a committee approach with a bunch of guys who kind of do some things well, uh, some guys who are young and unproven, some guys who just kind of never lived up to the expectations they had. Uh, I, I, Jamal Wilson's kind of the, the the leader in the clubhouse there with a couple other guys in Shadrack or and and Lorenzo Woodley, who uh, they expect to get carries too. But uh, I know I, for one, am, am interested to see how that running game performs after doing so poorly last year in the, in the early going. One of the matchups I'm intrigued by is between the Colorado offensive line that struggled in its season opener versus Hawaii last Thursday versus uh, a UMass defensive front that ranked tied for 116th in sacks last season. Could you kind of talk about the, the key pieces in the UMass front seven and what Colorado fans should expect out of that group on Saturday? Yeah, getting getting pressure out of the front seven has been kind of that elusive thing for UMass the past few years. Uh, they're in the second year of this 3-4 system uh, that, that uh, defensive coordinator Tom Masella has brought in. Um, and they didn't they, – they lost a couple bodies from that from last year. Overall, the defense is, is you know, just about as experienced as you're going to find. I think UMass in general brings back the most returning starters in the entire country. Um, but they lost one of their inside linebackers in the starting nose tackle um, from last year. But I don't think the, anyone's really expecting those to be major losses. They're kind of um, – they're just kind of pieces that were, compared to this year, kind of just interchangeable. Um, but especially in the defensive line, there's a lot of expectations on a, on a couple guys, one being the new nose tackle, Robert Kitching, uh, who is kind of like this athletic freak uh, in, in that he's, you know, he, he runs, he, he, his testing times in like the 40 and the, and the bench press are, you know, some of the best on the team, but we just haven't really seen him put it all together um, on the field yet. We saw a little bit of it at the end of last year and then carrying over the spring. So the expectations for him to kind of be like, that prototypical nose tackle, you know, he's, he's a big guy, he's like 6'2", 3'10". Um, they're, they're expecting a lot out of him in the middle. And I know for UMass, the, the, the non-conference the past couple of years has been pretty brutal. Um, and they're hoping that this can kind of get those guys ready by the time they get into the MAC. Um, and then if, you, if you're looking, I mean, obviously the 3'4", they're going to be bringing the guys 
um, on the outside, the outside linebackers. There's a couple guys, Trey Seals, who's a senior, and, and Kaysan Messiah, who's another senior. And those two, they were productive, but not in the disruptive way that you really need to have your outside linebackers be. Um, and that's another thing they've talked about all the training camps. We need to be, you know, uh, pressure the quarterback, quarterback hits, hurries, forced fumbles, sacks, all those type of things that have just generally evaded UMass with any consistency the past couple of years. Um, that, that's really been, been the focus of, of trying to get everyone on the same page with that and, and start right off from the get-go. Cornerback Randall Jett was also a first-team All-Max selection last season. He's on the Jim Thorpe Award watch list this fall. Uh, what are his strengths and kind of share with us how the rest of UMass's secondary looks? Yeah, he's he's their best cover corner. Uh, he's kind of a, a, a smaller guy, um, but he's one of those feisty types that, you know, get right up in your face. And I believe he had an interception in that Colorado game last year that he brought down. I think it was right after halftime he brought that back down to the two or something like that. Um, he had a he had an up and down season last year, and I think the expectations for him are, are pretty high, pretty high this year. And I know he's been looking forward to this game a lot. Um, you know, you just have to bring up the name Nelson Spruce, and his eyes light up. And be like, yes, you know, we can't let him do what he did to us last year, or something like, you know, ten catches for 175 yards and two touchdowns. I know they've watched that tape over and over and over. Um, that that's kind of been like their their focus throughout the summer, the fact that they had that extra week is, you know, Nelson Spruce. We cannot let him just, you know, run roughshod over us again. Um, so, but Randall Zed is definitely the guy back there, but they brought in uh, uh, some, some other pieces. Uh, Kelton Brackett, who transferred in from UAB after UAB shut down its, its football program. They, they ended up getting him, and he decided to stay with UMass even after they brought football back down there. He, uh, he'll, he'll be, he's a senior. He'll be starting at the other corner. Um, and then they've got, it's basically just a really veteran group. There are other safeties. Cree Bailey Smith is a senior. Joel Colton, uh, is a senior. These guys have, have been around with Trey Dudley Giles, another guy. He's in a safety. He's another senior. These guys, it feels like they've been in UMass forever. And they're still kind of just like, uh, they haven't, they haven't played super, super well. I mean, if you look at some of these passing numbers from the past few years, um, and it's kind of the feeling that like, it's now or never for them. They've been around the block enough to know, you know, how things are, and it's really just a matter of them putting it all together and, and really uh, playing up to the level of their experience. I was going to ask you something kind of along those lines. Obviously, UMass, just uh, they, they're 0-11 against power conference opponents since joining the FBS, but I, I would imagine, as you said, they've been watching that tape over and over of the Colorado game last year. The, the fact they only lost that game by three points, I would imagine they're – very confident they can compete with this Buffs team. Uh, it sounds like that's kind of the vibe you're getting around being around the team. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, they're own 11. I think they feel like they should probably be two and nine, both because of the way uh, the Colorado game went and the fact that they uh, were <laughs> they they threw away another game on the road at Vanderbilt. You know, a couple of weeks later. Um, but I think that Colorado game is that, that was the first time you know that group had been up by ten points in the second half in a while. Um, I, I think maybe the first time ever in, in FBS play, uh, things have just been so poorly for them that they really the, – the kind of the optimal phrase after that game for the rest of the season is that this group needed to learn how to win, uh, learn, needed to learn how to finish. Um, and I, I don't, at, at the time, we kind of looked at that Colorado game and was like, oh, yeah, man, they were, you know, they were, they were pretty close. I can't, I can't believe they kind of – you know, they pushed them to that level. That, you know, this is, this is exciting. Maybe they're ready to turn the corner. Um, but they had that – 
basically that exact same formula happens so many times over the rest of the season that by the end they're like, yes, we know, we need to learn how to win games, we need to learn how to finish. Uh, that's kind of been another one of their mantras all over, you know, all across the off season. And the fact that they get to open the season against one of those teams that, you know, they kind of just let slip through their fingers at the end, of, you know, last year, uh, I think that's been another a real driving force for the players. Does UMass have any injuries of note, or did they get through the preseason healthy? Uh, they, they got through the preseason mostly healthy. Um, I, I know the, the coaching staff, because of the fact that they're kind of using their bye week um, in, in week one, now they're going to play 12 straight games without a layoff. They kind of took things easy with some players. They they would sit players on certain days just to make sure that everyone you know wasn't pushing themselves too hard. Uh, there were there were a couple guys in the secondary, Cree Bailey Smith, Joe Colton, who um, had, had seen a little bit of extended time, kind of just on the sidelines. I think that was mostly precautionary. Um, but there there are two uh, guys of note that were kind of just dropped into our lap the other day, talking to Coach Mark Whipple, and that's freshman running back Kyle Lindsay, who you know impressed in camp enough to the fact that he was going to be part of the the game plan for Colorado, uh, and then a sophomore kind of hybrid linebacker safety and. Zeke Edmonds, who is definitely going to get snaps, and they've got high hopes for him. Uh, it turns out that they have the sickle cell trait, which for anyone who remembers uh, Ryan Clark with the Steelers when he had, you know, had to be hospitalized in like, 2007 when the Steelers played at Denver, uh, because the sickle cell trait, you know, has to do with the, the oxygen level in your in your red blood cells, and he ended up having his gallbladder and spleen removed. These guys tested positive for that, so they're not going to make the trip. They go from being you know, fairly sizable cogs in the game plan on both offense and defense to the point where they're not going to make the trip just because the risk, the health risks for them are just, you know, so dangerous that it's not worth it. Wow, wow. Well, uh, lastly here, Daniel, before we let you go, uh, let's get you on the record here. What, what's your prediction for Saturday's game? You know, I'm, uh, selfishly, I would like to see another shootout, uh, something similar to last year. Um, I think the fact that this is on the road, uh, gives Colorado that advantage. I know they 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 play teams a lot tougher out there, uh, and the fact that UMass has not played a game yet is, is they're gonna they're gonna have to spend that first half working out those kinks that Colorado kind of got out of the way. They have their they had their they've been able to do their own self scouting based on the Hawaii tape, where where UMass is still really going off of their own stuff in training camp. Um, so I, I'm expecting something similar to the last year, a, a shootout that that Colorado wins in the end. Maybe it's, it's UMass trying to make a late comeback this time and they fall short. You know, I don't want to say exactly 41 to 38 like last year, so uh, I don't know, maybe you know, 38, 35, something like that. I, I think it'll be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. All right, that's Daniel Malone of MassLive.com. Daniel, thanks for taking the time out. Great stuff. Thanks for having me, Adam.